listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to jump in today um, because... As you saw in the title, I want to deal with this thinking about the fact that so many people in our generation do not understand uh, the message of abundance and blessing, divine abundance and blessing. There are so many people that act like it's some kind of a different gospel or it's some kind of perverted gospel or message. And in reality, there are many Christians that are struggling financially because they don't, number one, they've either either never been taught the principles of supernatural increase or they've simply rejected them because they've uh, heard bad teaching regarding the principles of increase. And so I want to deal with this today because I'm going to give you seven areas Uh, that are enemies of your personal increase, your personal financial increase. Five areas, or excuse me, seven areas that we're going to deal with today. And as we go through them, you'll see that you have to be in the right position on every one of these areas to see God continue to bless you abundantly. And uh, anything that's worth doing is worth understanding. Anything worth doing is worth understanding and understanding properly. And so um, as we look through these in the word of God, make notes. Um, I would encourage you, especially during this broadcast, to become as introspective as possible as we break these seven things down. You know, look at your life. Ask yourself, what am I doing specifically that's going to help me in this area to not only please the Lord, but to see that increase begin to flow again? Maybe you feel like frustrated. You're like, man, it feels like things are stopped up. Feels like we're having uh, a little bit of a hindrance in our in our financial increase, our promotion, and, and things aren't working as quickly as you want them to be working. You're not seeing harvests, and so that's why we're doing this kind of a broadcast today, so you can see there are, as you know, biblical prerequisites to being blessed by God, and so uh, we want to deal with these. But I also want to take you through uh, to the verses of Scripture so that you can see that principle in the Word of God. The first and the baseline principle of the seven, one of seven, is um, you've got to make that decision to be holy. And again, I I like to make the uh, distinction between righteousness and holiness. So number one, uh, the first area where you've got to stand firm for provision, for increase, is holiness. Um, The reason I always do an explanation is because a lot of times people think, that righteousness and holiness are synonymous and they're not. So let me explain the difference. If you've never heard me teach on this, righteousness is a position that has been given to you. It's a position you stand in. You could also call it right standing with God, right? The Bible says in second Corinthians chapter five, that he speaking of Jesus, he who knew no sin was made to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So our righteousness was not earned. Our righteousness was given to us as a free gift through what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. It is a position that we are standing in because God placed us there. We were dead in trespasses and in sins, but he raised us up together and made us sit with Christ in heavenly places. So God raised raised us to new life. And when he did that, he put us in right standing with himself because of the redemption process. And so that's what righteousness is. It's a position you stand in. But holiness, holiness is the actions that you take in obedience to the word of God. So that's, that's the most simple definition that you could ever have. Holiness is, it's the actions you take in obedience to the word of God. It's the actions you take in obedience to the word of God. And really, that is a great uh, way to look at it. Aaron, Miriam put in the comments, because I'm righteous, 
I can be holy. And that's exactly right. Because I'm righteous, I can be holy. In fact, you cannot be holy without that position of righteousness. What she's saying is absolutely true. That there is no sinner that can be holy or take holy actions. Because it doesn't matter. It's like in Isaiah. Where Isaiah writes to the people that your righteousness is like filthy rags, unclean rags. There's nothing anyone can do to be holy or righteous without the power of God. So our position of righteousness allows us to take holy actions. And then it is those holy actions that provoke the blessing of God, provokes the blessing of God. Let me read you just a few verses on that, uh, that, that you should mark down. Psalm 84 and verse 11. It's the first one we'll look at. The Bible says, For the Lord God is a, our sun and our shield, and he gives grace and glory. And the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly. Hmm. Think about that. From those who walk uprightly. So there's not one good blessing that God will hold back from people who walk in holiness. Not one thing. Not one thing. Let me read you another one. As you know, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Listen to this. The Bible says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If you read the whole context of that, it's talking about natural things. Where will I sleep? What will I eat? What will I wear? All the things that sinners worry about on a daily basis. Jesus said, if you'll just seek the kingdom and the righteousness, all these things will just be added to your life without question. Added to your life. That's Matthew 6, 33. Let me read you another one. The book of Job chapter 36 and verse number 11. Listen to this one. If they will listen and serve him, they will complete their days in prosperity and their years in pleasantness. What's the prerequisite? Listen and serve. If they will listen and serve him, they will complete their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Job 36 and verse 11. Powerful scripture. I'll give you another one more before we <clears throat> go, go any further. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So, I mean, I can keep going. Uh, I could go to Deuteronomy 28. I mean, let's do it. Why not do it? Deuteronomy chapter 28. Look at verse 1. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings will come upon you, and they'll overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then you know all the blessings. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field, my basket blessed, my storehouse is blessed. I like verse 7. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They'll come against you one way and they'll flee before you seven ways. You know what else I like? Look at verse 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands and you'll lend to many nations and you will not borrow. Hallelujah. He'll make you the head, not the tail. You shall only go up and not down. I mean, think about this. What's the prerequisite? Once again, obedience, obedience to the word of God. That's all he's looking for. Obedience to the word of God. And so the first principle that uh, you've got to get in your spirit, and it is the foundational principle. It is the one that <clears throat> all the other ones stand on top of, and that is holiness. Holiness, there's, as Pastor uh, Adeboye preached one time, holiness truly is the master key to all of the blessings of God. 
Holiness is the master key to all of the blessings of God. No question about that. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, it is obedience to God's commands that releases the blessing on, on God's people. There's no, there's no way to argue it. That is without a doubt the foundational principle of increase. It is. And it's the most, in, in my opinion, it's the most powerful principle of increase. It's the most powerful principle of increase. Um, because what you're going to find is the other six that we'll deal with today can all fall under obedience because any of the things we read in God's word, we have to still be obedient to those principles in order for them to work for us, right? And so this is the foundational principle. Without question, it's the master key to the blessings of God. Simple obedience. Number two, <clears throat> those of you that are taking notes, uh, the second uh, enemy of your increase is people refuse to either understand or take action on tithing. They don't tithe. They won't tithe. It's very sad. If I were to read you the statistics, and you can Google it for yourself because that's how sad it is. If I were to read you the statistics of the percentage of Christians who actually tithe in America, it would blow your mind. You'd think there's so many of them doing it. You'd think, no, oh, the majority of Christians that love the Lord, I'm sure they're they're tithing. Absolutely not. It's a it's a small minority of the body of Christ that are actually paying their tithes faithfully. Oh yeah. And people think, well, brother, that's an old testament principle. That's an old testament principle, brother. We don't do that anymore. And here's the interesting thing about tithing is if you think about it. It's really a test of your heart. It's a test of your heart because when you understand that if you're in covenant with God, everything that is mine is his and everything uh, that is his is mine. Covenant is an everything situation and God's only asking for people to dedicate 10% of what they have back to him. Well, why? Not because God needs your 10%. He doesn't at all need it. But he's testing your heart. He's testing where you are in relationship with him. It's funny to say, my brother, I'm sold out to Jesus. I'm sold out to God. But they won't tithe. <laughs> Look, Mike says, Google says that Christians are giving at 2.5% of their income. But during the Great Depression, it was 3.3%. <laughs> People are giving less of their income today, and I'm talking about uh, on average, than they were in the Great Depression. Um, and that's that's just sad. I mean, it really, it really is sad. But you start to realize people act like, well, I'm sold out to God, brother. I'm sold out to the church, sold out to Jesus. No. And then you look, and they won't even do the most basic thing. See, tithing didn't come to an end in the New Testament. Absolutely not. Uh, not only did Jesus affirm tithing, but uh, in the book of Hebrews, all of those years later, uh, tithing was still taking place in the Christian community. Hebrews chapter 7 reveals that, that men here on the earth receive tithes, but in heaven he receives them, the Bible says. He receives them. So Jesus is actually receiving our tithes personally in heaven, according to the scripture. And uh, as um, the late Dr. R.C. Sproul wrote in his book, now that's a good question, um, it, unless Christians were specifically commanded to stop doing something once the New Testament was instituted, they would have continued on doing those very things. So for example, they didn't any longer sacrifice bulls, goats, and lambs for the atonement offering. But, you know, they were still giving to the poor, giving alms. Now, that was done in the Old Testament and the New. They didn't stop doing that. They didn't stop giving free will offerings. That was in the Old Testament, but it's also in the New. And they would not have stopped tithing. Nobody would have instructed them to stop tithing because it's God's principle that continues on, see. And they would have continued on, and they did. We see it in Hebrews 7. And even Dr. R.C. Sproul, who would not have all agreed with prosperity or abundance, 
He was a reformed Calvinist. But even he had to admit, not only is God interested in your finances and in the finances of his children, but on top of that, tithing would have continued on throughout the whole New Testament. And so <clears throat> you start to realize it's a test of my heart. God wants to see where am I in relation to my obedience to his word? Where am I? And he said, here's the deal. If you'll just uh, release that tithe, right? And one of the things it does is it keeps us from a love of money, keeps us being controlled by money. It keeps us from having a, a cheap or slave to money mentality. And um, what ends up happening is that God said, if you'll just release that tithe to me, then uh, I will personally rebuke the devourer for your sake. I will actually open up the windows of heaven for you. And he starts to give these blessings when people begin to tithe and, and do what he's asked them to do. And so it is something that it's, it's, it's mind blowing to me. I've never met a person. Now, maybe this, you think this is arbitrary. I've never met a person who tithes that doesn't believe in tithing. <laughs> think about this, what I'm saying for a minute. I've never met a person who tithes that doesn't believe in tithing. What I mean by that is I've never talked to somebody like, you know, I don't really believe that's New Testament, but I'm going to do it anyway. Also, flip-flop that. I've also never met someone that believes in the principle and then, or excuse me, that doesn't believe in the principle, but that, or excuse me, let me flip-flop it, that does believe in the principle and then sits there and, and, and doesn't do it and says, well, you know, uh, I believe it is for today. All the people that I've met that don't tithe are people that try to argue that it's not for today. It's funny to me. And then watch this. Then you have the people that try to redefine what tithing actually is. I actually had somebody come to me and was like, you know, brother, I, I actually tithe about 7% a month. That's about my, that's about my, my tithe. I was like, you know, tithe means 10th. It means 10%. You can't redefine it. You know, my 10% is about 7%. <laughs> you, can't, you can't redefine what it is. A tithe is 10%. And so, and so it's funny to me when people try to make the argument and it's because it's the thing you can't fake. You can fake everything else. You can fake lifting your hands and entering in and you can, and nobody knows if in your heart you're truly worshiping. You can fake, you can come to church, sit in the back row, you know, whatever. You can fake all the rest. You can fake fall out under the power of God. But I'll tell you one thing you can't fake is your tithing and giving. You can't fake your tithing and giving. You're either a tither or you're not a tither. And it's crazy to me when you start looking at it, do you realize if all Christians tithed, it would, it, it would be billions of dollars a year that were added to the kingdom of God. The only reason there are churches and ministries at, that don't have the resources to do what they're called to do is Christians don't tithe. If all Christians tithed, billions, hear me, billions would be added to the kingdom every single year. There'd be no lack. There'd be no need. The buildings we need would be built. The outreaches we need would be, they'd be done. There'd be no lack if people would just simply obey the basic thing. Cause it doesn't stop at tithing, but the basic thing crazy. And so, I mean, if, if you look at it, you've got basically what you have is the majority of the church members are leaning on the tithes of a few members. And that's what's happening all around the country. We will never be those people in Jesus name. I'll never even stop. I mean, the tithe, let me tell you something. The tithe goes out of your house first and quickly. I want God to get his tithe so quickly. I don't mess around. I don't hold them for the month and then pay them at the end of the month. I pay them as soon as I get increase, it goes into the hand of God. And let me tell you another thing. Maybe you've never, maybe you've never thought of it in this way, but, uh, first of all, let me give you a few principles that I've always followed regarding tithing. Number one, I always tithe on my gross and not my net. Put this in. Actually, let's make little bullet points here. A, lowercase a period. I tithe on my gross and not my net. So what do you mean by that? If I get a paycheck and look at it and my take home pay is $300, but I actually made like $412, 
I tithe on the $412, even though they took all my taxes out and all my, you know, whatever else. Even though they took all that out of my check before my take home, I don't tithe on my net. I tithe on my gross. So my tithe would be $41.20 and not $30. You see what I mean? Because I made that money. They just took it from me. (laughs) Doesn't mean I didn't make it. It was part of my increase. It was part of my increase. And so I tithe on my gross and not on my net. I'm not going to rob God just because I have to pay taxes. I'm not going to rob God just because there's unemployment and everything else. I will tithe on everything that's increased to me. B, lowercase b with a period. The second sub point on this is this. Um, Any increase, any increase that I receive, I tithe on that increase. Hear me. Any increase, I don't care what it is. If I get a gift card, I'll tithe on that gift card. If somebody gives me $100 to go eat at a restaurant, you better believe I'm tithing $10 of my own personal money to the kingdom because that gift card was part of my increase. It was part of my increase. I don't care what it is. Somebody blesses me with something. I'm going to tithe on that blessing. Why? Because it's part of my increase. All of the increase that comes into my hand, 10% goes to the Lord. No question. 10% goes to the Lord. Amen. And that's how, and that's how it works. And that's how, that's exactly how it works. So number one or, or a under tithing, always tithe on your gross, not your net. And then number two, tithe on all of the increase that comes into your hand, not just your net, not just cash, not just a paycheck. And people say, do I really need, you know, if, if somebody gives me money for my birthday, do I really need to tithe on that? Was it your increase? If it was, then yes, you got to tithe on it. You got to do what the Bible says. You can't skip out on the instructions and expect to be blessed. Number three. Now, here's where uh, it really gets uh, amazing because you got people in the body that won't even tithe. But the third thing you've got to get in, in position is that I'm not just a tither. I am a sower. Now, here's the deal. Tithing is not sowing. Tithing is not sowing. Your tithe is not your offering. Your tithe is not your offering. Tithing is different than sowing. It's not a seed. My, my tithe is not a seed. This is actually number three of the seven. Uh, not another bullet point on our tithing. But number three, I'm a sower. I'm a sower. People that get tricked into not sowing, they don't sow. That's an enemy of your increase. I'm a sower. I will be a sower for the rest of my life. And I will increase in my sowing every single year for the rest of my life. I will not miss a year. I will not miss a year of increase in Jesus' name because I'm going to be a a larger sower this year than I was last year. And 2023, my sowing is going to blow 2022 away. And I'm going to sow uh, the most cumulatively that I've ever sown, but I'm also going to sow the largest one-time seeds that I've ever sown. Amen. Well, why do I do that? Well, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I want to sow cumulatively more because I want to keep increasing my dedication to God every year. But number two, I want to sow the largest one-time seeds that I've ever sown because I want the Lord to understand that no matter how much he increases me, no matter how much he increases me, I will always be able to release to him what he tells me to release. I don't care. I do not care. You know, you've heard me telling the story about, you know, purchasing the tent for my dad and mom and, uh, you know, what the Lord allowed us to do there. But let me tell you something. That's not going to be the end all be all of my sowing. Not even close. Not even close. I'll be sowing $50,000 seeds. Soon, I'll be sowing $100,000 seeds. And before it's all done, I'm going to be sowing million-dollar seeds into the kingdom of God. I've got sowing goals, <laughs> Because I'm not staying in the same place in my sowing. I'm going to get introspective. Praise God for the $35,000 seed. But let me tell you something. I'm moving to $50,000 and $100,000 seeds. I'm moving to quarter of a million dollar seeds. I'm moving to $1 million seeds. And the Bible says he gives seed to the sower. And he absolutely does. He absolutely does. So when we make up in our mind, 
I'm going to be a sower. God puts seed in our hand. And people that refuse to sow, let me tell you, I learned this. I learned this big mistake. Let me tell you how the Holy Ghost works. I didn't know what Alex was going to do his broadcast on today. I had no idea because we don't talk about it. He just, he chooses his content and records it. But the Lord had me speaking this today on the enemies of your increase. And look what, what, look what the Lord had Alex speaking to our young people about, about sowing and reaping. So it's interesting that the Holy Ghost is trying to get a message across today. Isn't that interesting? Today, not just this week, the, the episode released today. This episode is on today. See how the Holy Ghost works? Without any knowledge of what each other were going to do, the Holy Ghost is trying to uh, give a message to his people that now is the time to increase. And so I'll tell you, it's, it's a really interesting thing that when you're looking at your seeds, Pastor Bill Motley and I were talking about this last night after the service. There are people who get caught up traditionally sowing the same thing over and over and over and over. They'll sow the same thing for 20 years. They'll sow the same amount. Every time I come to church, brother, I drop 50 in the offering plate. They've been sowing $50 a service for 20 years. Well, God, that, that's, God doesn't increase that. Because one of the things I've found out is, of course, we know this. In fact, can I share something with you? I'm going to share a, a truth that not a lot of people can catch. I'm going to give you something today. Not a lot of people can process this in their mind. It takes a mature Christian to process this. Are you ready? And I want you to write it in the comments because this will change your life and it'll change your mentality. God is not required to accept every offering. Pop that in the comments. God is not required to accept every offering. He doesn't have to just accept anything we give him at all. And he doesn't. He doesn't receive every offering. He doesn't accept every offering. I'm going to give you biblical uh, principles for this as well. I'm going to give you biblical proof. But God does not, he's not required to accept every offering that's given to him. And he doesn't accept every offering that's given to him. Go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And you know what the Bible says? Both Cain and Abel gave God an offering. But what does the Bible say God did? God received or accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's offering. That'll change you right there when you start to realize this. He accepted Abel's offering. He rejected Cain's offering. Hmm. I mean, that's powerful. I want to read you something. In Malachi chapter one, God starts to rebuke the priests. He rebukes them because of the type of offerings that they're giving him. And he tells them clearly, I'm not, I'm not receiving this. I'm not accepting this. So if you've never seen this before, look, look at Malachi chapter one. I'm going to start with verse six. Listen to this. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If them, I'm a father. Where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food on my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in my sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? Says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he might be gracious to us with such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. Now, now, now get this. What's happening in this passage? What's happening in this passage? They're giving God their leftovers. 
You know, just go ahead and sacrifice the blind animals. Go, go sacrifice the crippled animals, the sick animals, the diseased animals. Put the polluted fruit on the altar. God said, are you serious? You're going to put your leftovers, the crappiest of what you have on my altar and try to sacrifice it to me and try to get my favor? He said, go take those to your governors. See if they'll accept it. And I guarantee you they won't. He said, so if you wouldn't give her uh, this, by the way, if you're looking for the reference, this is Malachi chapter one, starting in verse six. And I ended reading uh, in verse number 10. So that's Malachi chapter six, verses one through 10. Or excuse me, verses six through 10. Malachi one, verses six through 10. And he's saying, I'm not receiving that. Go give that to your governor. See if he'll receive it. Because I guarantee you he won't receive it. And you want me to receive it? And you want me to give you favor? Giving me your leftovers? So here's another passage where the Lord will not receive their offerings. Look at, look at verse 10 at the end. I will not accept an offering from your hand. I will not accept an offering from your hand. So he, here we go that the Lord uh, doesn't have to receive every offering. And so that's why I make up my mind. I'm not just going to give God anything. I don't tip God. And I definitely don't give him my leftovers. I definitely don't give him. I give him my first and my best. My first and my best. And, and when I, of course I tithe, that's, that's non-negotiable. That is non-negotiable. So I go far beyond that. And we so largely. And, I, and so here's the principle that I want you to get. Because God's not required to accept every offering. Then you start to ask yourself, well, what offerings does he accept? What offerings does he receive? You know what the answer is? He receives offerings of two things, obedience and faith. Put that in the comments. God receives and accepts offerings of obedience and faith. Those are the two characteristics of an offering that have to be in place for God to accept it and receive it. They've got to be offerings of obedience and offerings of faith. And many times, if not every time, those two things go hand in hand. They'll go hand in hand. Offerings of obedience, offerings of faith. No question. And let me say, explain what I mean by that. You heard me a moment ago mentioning people that they'll just come to church. They'll give God the same thing for 20 years. 50 bucks in the offering every, every service every year for 20 years. And they're wondering, well, I don't know why I'm not blessed. Because you have to get to the place where you understand, because I'm sowing, I'm receiving. And God's increasing me because of my sowing. So every time I sow a seed, I've got to be introspective and ask myself, hold on a second. First of all, uh, is this something God told me to give by a leading of his spirit? Because I realize, now listen, there's two kinds of offerings when it comes to obedience. There might be a time where God speaks to you specifically about what he wants you to give. Now, if you've experienced that, throw a hand up in the comments that, yeah, I've been there where the Lord spoke to me about exactly what he wanted me to give. And of course, it should be more often than not. But throw a hand up. You say, that's me. I've, I've had instructions from the Holy Ghost about what to sow. And I knew an amount from the Lord. I'm seeing a bunch of hands go up. That's because the Holy Spirit will do that. He gives you leading and guidance upon, uh, you know, you asking him about what to sow. So that's one type of sowing. But I'll tell you another type where Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, each of you must decide in your heart how much you're going to give. Remember this? Second Corinthians nine. He said, don't give in response to manipulation or pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. So he said, each of you must decide in your heart how much you're going to give. Will there be times in your life where the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily give you a specific amount, but you decide that you want to do something in your own heart? Sure. If there weren't those times, Paul wouldn't have wrote it to the Corinthians or written it. Sorry, my West Virginia came out. And so... Uh, understand that. Look at that. Caitlin said, I prayed for the Lord to provide it, but still saved. And someone Venmoed me the exact amount I prayed for to sow. You know why? He gives seed to the sower. So the question becomes, um, there will be time. Will there be times 
when the Holy Spirit doesn't give me an exact amount, but I decide in my heart what I want to give to the Lord. Yeah, but there's where the other side of it comes in, right? It's not just offerings of obedience. That's when the Holy Spirit speaks, but offerings of faith, which means when you do decide in your heart how much you're going to give to God, that decision has to take faith to accomplish it. Because I could just, you know, if I went into church tonight and said, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to put $15 in the offering plate. First of all, that would take me zero faith, zero, zero. And God wouldn't accept that offering. I might as well not even put it in the offering plate. I might as well not even give it because the Lord knows it means nothing to me. It doesn't take any faith for me to do it. So why do it? Why do it? He's elevated me and, and you beyond that place. So when we give, remember those two things, obedience and faith, obedience and faith, we break it down and the Lord, and you say, Lord, what do you want me to sow? Now I pray for every offering. I don't wait until something just pops up in my spirit. I ask him because I want his leading. So I ask him in every offering, Lord, what is it that you want us to sow in this offering today? And we listen for his voice. And if we don't get a specific instruction, I will make a decision that takes faith to accomplish. It takes faith to accomplish it because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that's why every year we try to give more cumulatively and also the largest one-time seeds that we've sown. Why? We're increasing. I'm not going to keep asking God to take me where I've never been, but never do anything I've never done. If you want to go somewhere you've never been, you've got to do something you've never done. And that's why my faith is set that way personally. I want the Lord to know he is always first in my life, always first. He'll never get my leftovers. He'll always get the best, always. He always has my faith giving, my obedience giving. Amen. And so we've got to be uh, not just tithers, but sowers. We've got to make a decision to give. The Bible says whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. It's a, it's a principle from heaven. Sowing and reaping will not come to an end. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Genesis 8.22. There will be seed time and harvest. It does not end. It will not stop. So that's number three. Number four, the fourth thing that we've got to make sure that we're doing is that we have to make a decision. If we want to see increase, we've got to make a decision to bless the poor. That's number four. We have to make a decision to bless the poor. What am I doing to bless the poor? So why is it important to bless the poor, brother? Because the Lord cares for the poor. The Lord cares for those that are without. The Lord cares for those that are hurting and struggling. And he's sending us to be a blessing to our generation. Number four, we've got to make a decision to bless the poor. Look what Proverbs says in the book of Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 21. The Bible says, whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Look at that. Blessed is he who is generous to the poor. There is a blessing that gets released onto your life when you begin to bless the poor. That's why we partner up with Feed the Hungry and we do as much as we can to bless around the world. Why? When I had Jenna call them and say, ask them what it would take for us to be in the top 1% of givers. I want to be in the top 1%. And they call back and they said, you already are. I said, well, call back and say, I want to be in the top 1% of the top 1%. Why? Because I know there's a blessing that comes on God's people when we bless the poor. And that's what we want to do. Let me, let me give you another one. Proverbs uh, chapter 28 and verse 27. Look what the Bible says. Whoever gives to the poor will not want. Will not want. You'll not be in lack. You'll not want. You'll not go without. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes from the poor will get many a curse. You, you, start, you always ignore the needs of others, always ignoring the poor. And the Lord said, that'll bring a curse on your life. Whoever gives to the poor 
will not lack, will not want. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. I'm not going to lack for any good thing. Love you, Jeremiah. I'm not going to lack for any good thing. Pastor Stephen, love you. I'm not, I'm not going to lack. I'll not be without. I'll not be in want. I'm going to keep blessing the poor. I'm a tither. I'm a sower, and I bless the poor. The windows of heaven stay open over us. They stay open. I want you to put it in the comments. God's not opening the windows of heaven over you. The windows of heaven stay open over you. Hallelujah. They stay open over you. I feel the Holy Ghost on that, man. The windows of heaven stay open over us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Whoever gives to the poor will not want. That's going to be you in Jesus' name. You'll not lack any good thing. Number five, remember this. This is an enemy of your increase when people don't have their purpose and don't pursue purpose. So we've got to pursue our personal purpose from the Holy Spirit. You can't do something that you weren't called to do and expect the blessing of God to come on you. doesn't work that way. That's called absent without leave. You can't leave the military and go on your own missions and expect the military to bless you and continue to give you resources and ammunition and, 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 and recon. and all. You, It doesn't work that way. You can't just go choose your own missions if you're in the military. They give you orders. It's delegated authority. And it's the same way in the body of Christ. I've got to pursue my purpose, my call, what he has commanded me to do. And when I do that, guess what? The blessings of heaven overtake me because I'm, again, in obedience to my personal call. And so number five, pursue your personal purpose. Discover what you're called to do and do it with all of your heart. Do it with all of your might to the best of your ability. It's my purpose. It's my call. That's, if I, that's why when people start getting off into doing other things God never called them to do, they start getting tired, they start getting sick, their money starts running out. Why? God didn't call you to be over there. God didn't tell you to go do that. It's not your call. It's not your purpose. Leave it alone. That's why I love what Bishop Boyadepo, I quoted this yesterday. If God didn't call us to do it, may it never get done. Let it go undone. You know, I'll say, I'll sow to other people that are doing things, but I'm not going to go do them. I mean, let me just give you an example. I've used this before. There, are, There's a need around the world for orphanages to be built, especially in third world nations. They need orphanages. I'm not called to build orphanages. The Lord has never once in my life spoken to me to build an orphanage. Now, I'll sow. If the Lord speaks to me to sow to somebody that's doing something or whatever, I'll sow into it. But I'm not leaving the ministry to go move to a third world nation and start building orphanages. It's not my calling. I could do it, but guess what? It would be outside of God's plan, so I would have to come up with all the resources and the strength and all the connections. But when the Lord calls you to do something and you do it, he opens the doors. He gives you the increase. He's the one that, that, that pushes you forward. And that's what I want. I want the increase of obedience to my personal purpose. Let me read you Psalm 127. Verse one, unless the Lord builds the house, there's the, there's the key. Unless the Lord's build the house. I'm not trying to ask God to get on what I'm building. I'm saying, Lord, what are you building through me? And then whatever you're building, I'll jump on it. I'll jump on it. Unless the Lord builds the house, those that build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I want to do what the Lord's telling me to do. Amen. That's number five. Number six. This is a powerful one. Many people don't even know these two things are linked. But you've got to be make a decision to daily praise God. Those that are blessed are those that are engaged in praise. And this is a scriptural principle. People don't even know that praise will attract the blessing of God to your life. Hmm. Powerful. It's powerful. Let me read to you Psalm 67. I want you to go there with me. Psalm 67. You need to mark this up in your Bible. Verses five through seven. Catch this in your spirit today. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. 
Then the earth will yield its harvests and God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us and people all over the world will fear him. You see that? When the nations begin to praise, look, notice what happens in verse six. The earth will yield its harvests or increase and God, our God, will richly bless us. Richly bless us. Praise God. Let the people pray. One translation, let the people praise you, O God. I want to look at that real quick. Hmm. The blessing. One translation says, let the nations thank you. So thanksgiving and praise unlock the harvests of the earth. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to, do you ever think about this in, in relation to the 10 lepers that came to Jesus and the Bible says, Jesus said, go your way and show yourself to the priest. You're made whole. And the Bible says, as they were going to the priest, the leprosy left them. They were made whole. But what happened? One of them returned to give thanks. And the Bible says that as he was praising and thanking Jesus, he said, now you go your way for your faith has made you whole. And all these uh, commentaries and Bible scholars agree that this man received an additional supplementary blessing that the other nine did not get. What was the only difference? He was the one that praised and thanked Jesus for what he did in his life. And he said, it's your faith. The others were cleansed, but your faith has made you whole. Glory to God. And when you praise and thank God, the earth yields it's increase, it's harvest. That's the power of God. Well, why is that? Because he's a God of increase. And we know that when we praise him, he inhabits the praises of his people. And when God shows up, increase shows up. Why? He's Jireh. He's El Shaddai. He is the provider. He is the all-sufficient one. If he shows up, you better believe increase is showing up. That's why praise not only attracts him, but attracts the favor that comes with him. And praising people are blessed people. Amen. Praising people are blessed people. Let me give you the last one before we pray today. Number seven, we must, and this is a big one. Listen to me very closely. This is a big one. We must decide to be led by the spirit. This is so vital. So vital. I can't even begin to tell you all of the times that the, the spirit of God has led me to do something. But as I obeyed the leading, the increase hit. I mean, the increase hit. You've heard all of my, uh, you've, you've heard all of my stories about, uh, the Lord changing my plans. You know, I was ready to go to one Bible school, but then the Lord changed my plans and went to another Bible school. Do you know what's crazy? The Lord changed my plans and sent me to Rama Bible Training Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it was literally within the first, uh, you know, year or whatever that the Lord connected me and had hands laid on me by three generals of the faith in the first year, just by switching my plans by the leading of the spirit. I get out there and brother Shambach is there and brother Shambach lays hands on me. And ask God to bless me. And God bless me. And then I'm in the mall. Get this. I'm in the mall putting in job applications. And out of one of the stores comes T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne walks right up to us. I put my stuff down. He in the mall by the food court lays hands on me and asks God to bless me. And God bless me. And then Brother Hagen was there. And Brother Hagen, I got to meet him. I stood by him. He laid hands on me. Ask God to bless me and God bless me. Just by obeying one leading of the spirit, I got to receive an impartation from three generals of the faith just being in the position that God placed me in. That's all I did was obey and go to where I was supposed to go. That's all I did. That's all I did. And after that, making decisions to move to Virginia Beach because the Lord told me to. And rather than evangelizing like I was called to do since five, the Lord said, no, you're to go to Virginia Beach. You're to be on staff. You're to do this. Didn't make sense to my mind, but I did it anyway. And the leading of the spirit caused me to be abundantly blessed. 
And then I began to travel as an evangelist. And then the Lord gives us an, an instruction to move to Florida. There was no reason to do it. There was no natural reason to do it, but we did it because it was a leading of the spirit and God abundantly blessed us. <laughs> and in the midst of all that, we're renting a house. We have a house in Virginia. We're renting a house in Florida. You've heard the story. God led us to a specific home in the same neighborhood and made provision. There wasn't even a for sale sign in the yard. And God opened that house up for us to buy. And we snatched it up, although everyone else that tried to buy it in the last two years could not buy it. They couldn't sell it. People, the, the finances kept falling through. People couldn't make it happen. All these different things. God held it for us because we were led by the spirit. Let me tell you something. And we snatched that home up before all the property stuff started happening in Florida. And in just a few short years, God doubled the value of our home, doubled it. You know why? Because we were led by the spirit. We did what the Lord told us to do. That's it. That's the only thing. Just led by the spirit. Hallelujah. And when you're led by the spirit, the blessing of heaven comes on you. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 48, and let me, let me read it to you because it's a powerful verse. And then I'm going to pray over you because you're not going to suffer lack. I want you to hear me. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what they're predicting. You're not going to suffer lack in Jesus name. You're not going to be without in Jesus name. You'll not be without food. You'll not be without provision. You'll not be without finances. You'll not be without excess. No, let the world operate on their own economy. We're on God's economy. It's a whole nother thing. Heaven doesn't have recessions. Heaven doesn't run out. God is all sufficient and he's a creator. He's not just a provider. He's a creator. Isaiah 48, 17, thus says the Lord, your redeemer, the holy one of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. Notice what he does. The Lord teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. That leading of the spirit, what does it do? Causes you to profit, causes you to increase. The Lord doesn't lead you into decrease. He doesn't lead you to, to diminish. He doesn't lead you to move backwards. He doesn't lead you into calamity. He leads you to profit. That's the word. That's the word over your life. And so there are, does the devil want to stop you from increasing? Absolutely. But these are the seven things that you have to have in place to see steady, never ending increase in your life. You got to be holy. Got to be a tither. You got to be a giver. You got to bless the poor, right? You got to pursue your purpose. You got to praise God and you got to be led by the spirit of God. Amen. You got to let be led by the spirit of God. The Bible says in Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray. I'm telling you right now, I feel the faith of God on this. You will not suffer lack in Jesus name. The faithful people of God will be abundantly blessed. They will increase. You will increase. You will have more than enough. The windows of heaven stay open over your house. They stay open. Father, I pray right now. I thank you for every faithful man and woman of God. I thank you, Lord, that no matter what is being planned by people with an anti-Christ agenda, it won't come to pass in our lives for we're connected by covenant to the provider, to the one who's all sufficient, to heaven's economy. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're not called to decrease. We're not called to lack. We're not called to uh, scrape the bottom of the barrel, but we are called to increase steadily and we will increase steadily in Jesus name. I take authority over every enemy that tries to steal what is ours. God's people have an inheritance that comes from our heavenly account. And so every, we thank you, Lord, right now. You're rebuking every devourer for our sake. You're rebuking the hand of the enemy who tries to steal our harvest in the field. It cannot happen in Jesus' mighty name. We will not suffer shortage. We will not suffer lack. No food shortage. No, we'll not have any uh, uh, problems or with lack, with not enough scraping the bottom of the barrel, trying to get by. It will not be our story in Jesus' name. We don't receive the words and the suggestions of an anti-Christ system. 
We didn't expect, in the same way, Lord, that we didn't expect a winter filled with sickness and disease, we don't expect a summer and a fall filled with poverty and lack in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we ask you now to give seed to the sower like we've never had. Seed to the sower in Jesus' mighty name. Let the largest seeds come into our hand that we've ever sown by the power of the Holy Ghost. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus that as we sow those seeds, quick harvests are coming back. Now, Lord, I ask you to let these next six months, July through December, be the most explosive financial months that your faithful people have ever seen in the history of our Christianity. Let the power of God be seen in our provision. And we thank you for that. We give you the praise for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you all the glory and all the praise. If you believe it, throw some hands up in the comments, throw some fire up and thank the Lord that you will never be without in Jesus' name. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. In fact, I want you to just put it in the comments. I am not a beggar. I will never beg. You're a child of God and the blessing belongs to you. You're a child of God and the blessing belongs to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, now's the time to take steps of faith. In fact, I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to sow a seed by faith today. Activate this word that was preached. You know, it's the Holy Ghost. You know, it's the Holy Ghost. How do I know that it's the Holy Ghost? Because... Yeah, you'll have to lift that up above. Because of the fact you saw what the students are getting today. You saw what we felt today. Obviously, the Holy Ghost has a word for us today. That was orchestrated by the Lord. Because I had no knowledge and he had no knowledge. It's just the Lord giving us a congruent message today. That's the Lord. So I'm challenging you. Maybe you've never stepped out in faith to partner with this ministry. Now's the time. Time's running out, man. Jesus is coming. And people need the gospel. And as you stand with Carolyn and me and Miracle Word Ministries, we're touching this nation and other nations with the power of the gospel of Christ. Not only just preaching live crusades, we're on television around the world, touching people with media, blessing the poor. I mean, there's so many things we're doing. If you want to check all of it out, go to MiracleWord.com and then click the partner page. You can see all that we're doing. You can fill out the form. Stand with us. There might be people you say, well, maybe I, I can't stand yet at $100 a month, but I can do $50 a month. Do what you can do. Start where you are in obedience and watch what God will do in your life. Remember that principle today, that it takes a faith type seed, an obedience type seed. So ask yourself, is what I'm doing every month with this ministry taking faith for me to do? Or is it kind of a set it and forget it and I never think about it or feel it? Make sure that what you're doing activates your own personal faith. Make sure it's a, an action of obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit because I want to see you blessed. I want to see you increasing every single month. And for those that are standing with us in June, we have uh, some gifts we want to send to you. Number one, for those that are sowing $85 or more, we're going to send you uh, Brother Leroy Thompson's book, Money Cometh to the Body of Christ. For those that are standing with us at $250 or more this month, we're also including T.L. Osborne's book, The Message That Works. He held mass crusades in about 80 nations of the world, and this was the message he preached that always brought results no matter where he was. And then for those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're also including the Net Study Bible with uh, 60,000 translators' notes included. It is a powerful resource for every Christian. Uh, thank you, Janine, for sowing a seed. And I'm challenging you to take a step of faith today and do what the Lord is asking you to do. You'll be blessed. Again, don't forget, we're here in Danville, Virginia at the Life Church for uh, tonight and tomorrow night is our last scheduled night, 7 o'clock p.m. You can join us on all platforms live. You can come and be a part of it. If you need the address, the times, whatever, go to our website, miracleword.com, and on the schedule page, you can get all of the details that you need. Again, don't forget about that brand new kids Bible study. You can get it at shop.miracleword.com. Check it out. It's got uh, content for 12 straight months of devotions and Bible study for the kids. Uh, you're going to love it. It's absolutely awesome. Again, the last gen um, episode is live in the podcast for the, for the students. 
uh, Alex is teaching how the Lord taught him about sowing and reaping. Our students need to understand it. Very powerful. Very powerful. I love you. Thank you for hanging with me today. I'll be back again in the morning. Have a powerful and a blessed day. I'll see you tonight at 7. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.